This is Point of View with Chris Berg. Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thanks so much for joining us here on this Monday evening. First and foremost, hope you had an outstanding Mother's Day again. We love you, moms. Thank you. Hope you had a great time with family and friends and, of course, moms. All right, it is fantastic to be a North Dakotan. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to sit down with the North Dakota Petroleum Council President, Mr. Ron Ness, because tomorrow in the next few days, there's going to be an outstanding conference, the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference taking place in Bismarck. You're going to have Kelsey Warren, President of Energy Transfer Partners. Oh, by the way, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Someone might have a one-on-one -on -one interview with him coming up. We'll talk more about that coming up this week, but stick around. We're going to talk uh, with him here in just a moment, but I also say that because it was announced today and I want to say thank you to Governor Burgum, Senator Hove, and Congressman Armstrong, Senator Kramer, everyone in Jamestown, everyone in Spiritwood, and ADM, a soybean crushing plant, $350 million. If you watch Point of View regularly, we've been asking, when are we going to get this done? To now crush some soybeans for meal, oils, things of that nature, and again, gives us some liberty, some freedom from saying, oh, wait a second, we're not shipping as many soybeans to China, so what are we going to do with all these beans here across our great state? Well, now we've got a place to put them and put some money in the farmer's pocket. So great, great news. Again, thank you everybody that got this project done. They've been working on it now for quite some time. 70 jobs coming to the area. Again, $350 million. It is a big, big deal. Now, speaking of jobs, you may have seen over the weekend or late last week the jobs report. Supposed to have a million jobs coming down the pipeline, ended up being around 250, 260,000. They missed it by a mile. So many people are suggesting, hey, the reason that people aren't getting back to work is because they've got these extended unemployment benefits where more people can make more money sitting around than actually going back to work. So for you at home, if you can make more money sitting around than going back to work, which one would you choose? Yeah, most people would choose to sit around and get paid. So I want to share with you some things that are happening. Then we're going to say, hey, should Governor Bergen be following suit? First, earlier today, President Joe Biden held a press conference um, talking about the economy, talking about the jobs report. Then he also said this about the idea of these extended unemployment benefits. I know there's been a lot of discussion since Friday, since Friday's report, that people are being paid to stay home rather than go to work. Well, we don't see much evidence of that. That is a major factor. We, we don't see that, that, look, it's easy to say the, the line has been because of the generous unemployment benefits that it's a major factor in labor shortages. Americans want to work. Americans want to work. Americans love to work. They also love to get paid. Again, if you can get paid more by staying home than going to work, which one are you probably going to choose, right? Majority of people are going to choose, hey, if, you can make, if I can make more money and not go to work, that's what I'm going to do. So watch that closely. Obviously, um, there's going to be some changes taking place because some state governors are now saying, wait a second, we are no longer going to extend these unemployment benefits because so many companies, and I talked to a lot of business owners in our community, folks, they are offering 5 to $10 per hour more, signing bonuses. They can't even get people to to fill out applications right now. So Florida, Montana, South Carolina, Rhode Island's looking at it saying, okay, we are going to stop these extended unemployment benefits. I bring this up to you today because 
As I just said a moment ago, many business owners now trying to find workers. They want to obviously have more productivity from their organization, from their company. So do you feel like Governor Burgum should follow suit? Should Governor Burgum make an announcement that we're no longer going to follow through with these extended unemployment benefits? Please call his office, email him, let him know your point of view either way. But I think it's an important conversation to have that we should be having here in the great state of North Dakota, especially now with oil prices going up. You might see some of the rig count go up. We just talked about what's happening in Spiritwood. By the way, it's not going to start till 2023, but you know, let's get some momentum going here uh, in our great state. All right, earlier today, I had a chance to sit down with the president of the North Dakota Petroleum Council, Mr. Ron Ness, to talk about the event taking place in Bismarck. You can join it virtually and much, much more. Here's that conversation. Ron, welcome back to Point of View. Always great to have you. Big event taking place starts tomorrow, going on for a couple of days, the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference. Um, tell people, first off, just why it's so important that they become a part of this event and how they can do so virtually if they can't be in Bismarck. Well, Chris, this, uh, this conference has a long history behind it, and certainly uh, it's really about the future of oil and gas in North Dakota. It's about the future of oil and gas in this country. It's an international event. Of course, this year, our Canadian friends are unable to join us, but uh, this is 18 months in the planning. We had to postpone last year. Uh, we rescheduled for August, late August of last year. We had to postpone that. Uh, and all of a sudden, this thing has gone viral. It's off the charts. We've got 2,200 people attending, 278 exhibitors, and uh, really looking forward to having it happen. It's an event for North Dakota. It's about the future of, of not only the Bakken, but in terms of business and activity, what's it mean for our state, and, and we're looking forward in terms of Big oil fields usually get better. They require technology. They require the bright minds of the world. But uh, we think the Bakken certainly is that. And that's why people come from 37 states for, for this event alone. I want to talk more about the Bakken in a moment. But first, you're being modest because you've got some major names coming to Bismarck. So first off, can people join virtually if they want to from anywhere? And then also give us an idea of who's going to be in Bismarck over the next couple of days. Sure, Chris. This is a... Uh, a conference that you can join virtually. Uh, you can join in person, of course. We've got 2,200 registrants as of this morning. Uh, that number is certainly going to grow the next few days. But we've got about 75 speakers over three days. Virtually all of them are quality enough to be keynote speakers at any conference anywhere. Uh, but the folks we have in the mornings on Wednesday morning and Thursday morning, boy, uh, it doesn't get much better than that uh, anywhere in North Dakota. Where we'll, we'll start with folks like Kelsey Warren, Harold Hamm, uh, Governor Burgum, uh, CEOs from uh, nine different oil and gas companies, pipeline companies. Uh, we do have the uh, new Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, is going to provide a video for us. Uh, but, of course, uh, the big name that everybody's looking for now is uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. I had the chance to visit with him uh, Friday afternoon in person. Uh, he's going to be here. He's going to spend a day. Uh, going to be at, at us the conference with us. Uh, he's going to talk a lot about what he saw on the world stage and how important energy was in every discussion he had across his world. So speaking about the importance of energy, there's the big news today that uh, President Biden talked about. He had a press earlier today. The White House press conference talked about it today. It was this colonial pipeline cyber attack. Just what, what does that mean for energy here in America? Uh, how do you, I guess, translate this cyber attack on a pipeline? Well, we certainly have been very worried about cyber attacks in, in the oil and gas industry from a refining standpoint, from all of the technology that takes place. But uh, this, not unlike the Texas grid disaster, is another wake-up call that there are a lot of people out there, uh, you know, very 
uh, obstructionists and others who want to stop energy in this country for some reason. It's going to be really interesting to get Secretary Pompeo's uh, view on that and how important energy is in the world and how how every world leader he talked to talked about energy and the top three things they visited about. But here in this country, we seem to be, uh, we have a lot of obsession with stopping energy development and not allowing technology to move forward. And uh, certainly we saw the Texas grid disaster. That was a different challenge that we've got to ensure that we've got reliable, sustainable, affordable energy, something that's very important to everybody, not only across the state, but across this country. So it's a ransomware attack. They're saying the I think it's called the dark side is sort of a, a criminal element to this. Some people are asking if it's state actors. Do you have any information on that? I do not have any more information than what uh, you saw in the media this morning, but certainly something I'm sure every company is uh, cracking down on their their Internet IT today. Yeah, obviously be a big conversation of what's happening over the next few days. Um, so with that being said, speaking of pipelines, Kelsey Warren, you mentioned, is going to be here from Energy Transfer Partners doing kind of a fireside chat with Scott Hennen. Um, can you give us any insight on what we might hear there in regards to the Dakota Access Pipeline? I mean, I know his attorney is obviously working hard on this lawsuit. Anything you can share with us that might give us some hope that, hey, this pipeline is going to keep oil going through it? You know, my guess is that Kelsey Warren's uh, probably not going to have a lot to say about DAPL right now. It, it's in absolutely the critical stage of, of just Judge Bosberg's decision. Uh, we nobody has any idea, including him, on on what way this is going to go. So I would suspect that he's going to talk more about you know pipeline infrastructure itself, the importance of it, the safety of it, and focus on the big picture of why America needs to continue allowing pipelines that have crossed this country uh, underneath waters and lakes for uh, generations uh, to continue. So with going back to the cybersecurity piece and pipelines. You know, I was reading today the TSA apparently is their purview, which I don't understand completely, but is the cybersecurity of pipelines. And there's only six full time TSA people that are available to oversee all the pipelines when it comes to cybersecurity tax. Would you like to see this administration do more? And if so, what would you like to see him do? Well, I think that's those are the things that we have to look at. And after 9-11, we took a really serious look at the safety of refineries, thinking that, you know, that could be a way in which you could disrupt America's energy supplies and then really disrupt the nation. So today, I think the, the big ticket is cyber cybersecurity. And uh, I suspect that hopefully that will be on the uh, front front doorstep of, of Congress and others to look at because it is very serious as uh, people in the Northeast, you saw how much of their energy comes from that colonial pipeline. It basically comes from Louisiana all the way up into along the Northeast and it brings them most of their uh, gas and diesel every single day. Yeah, it's incredible. And amazingly enough, because he said this has been in the planning for 18 months, but one of the first sessions on Tuesday is developing smart pipelines, a session that'll take place with you guys uh, coming up at the conference. So you guys are nailing it right on the head there. Um, let's talk about the Bakken of itself. You and I were talking offline. So Chris, believe it or not, it's been 15 years of the Bakken. So if you don't mind, just, just go down reminiscent lane for a moment and talk about the impact the Bakken's had. But I think also, where do you see this thing going in the next 10 years? Pretty hard to believe. 2006, North Dakota had about 3,500 oil wells. We were making somewhere around 90,000 barrels of oil a day. The, the industry employed around 5,000 people. It's not that long ago. My, my kids are seniors this year, so they were, they were three or four years old. Uh, and we think about what's happened over a period of 15 years. We, we now produce, uh, we're the second largest oil producing state in the nation. We produce you know, 1.1, 1.2 million barrels a day, down from our peak of around 1.5 uh, 
Uh, we produce three BCF a gas a day, employ around 50,000 North Dakotans, uh, provide the state with 50% of the tax revenues generated in the state and really just drive the economy. We employ 17% of the state's employees. Um, pretty amazing. So I think the big question is, is you go through a downturn like we saw in the last year, uh, devastating to every business, but certainly oil and gas took a, took a really uh, crushing blow in my opinion. Uh, but the resiliency of the Bakken, and I think what uh, a year later we stand up and I think we can stand here and say, wow, we're still at 1.1 million barrels of oil a day. Yeah, we're not producing as a, not as many rigs out there. There's not as many completion crews, but this resource is simply amazing with the best technology in the world. We've got a lot of things this past legislative session trying to reduce the emissions, uh, make that Bakken barrel just a little bit cleaner than every other barrel in the world. Uh, we think that will attract investment. Um, I applaud the legislature for that. It's a world-class resource, and that's why you get 2,200 people in a somewhat post-COVID era to come to Bismarck, North Dakota, to talk about North Dakota's oil and gas industry. You know, it's amazing to hear you talk about Secretary Pompeo saying every time you met with world leaders, it was always about energy. You talk about the incredible things that energy development has done here for our economy and really for our entire nation's economy, and yet it seems that there's a war on fossil fuels from this Biden administration. For the people at home, what can we be doing to, to make a difference and to, for lack of a better term, win this war on fossil fuels? Chris, maybe it's energy empathy. Uh, we've had it pretty good in this country. We have not uh, seen high gasoline prices. We've had the energy at our fingertips. We haven't had to worry about blackouts and brownouts. But I think that we've got some energy empathy uh, and we don't realize the importance of it in every single day in all of our lives. Uh, everything that you uh, basically can sit right now and touch and feel around me uh, from my clothing to my computer to my iPhone to basically everything is made uh, out of petrochemicals coming from oil and gas. And certainly the importance of coal to this country and this state should never be underestimated. So. Um, I think we have a wake-up call as a country. I think we have a wake-up call as a state that we've got to stand up and fight. And uh, somewhat of a producing state versus a consuming state issue right now. People in consuming states don't buy gasoline at the pump anymore. They just buy an Uber. So uh, they don't see that direct correlation. They don't understand where electricity comes from. And I think uh, our friends in agriculture, same exact concerns. We, we as a state need to really stand up and take notice of what's coming at us. A little bit ago, you mentioned Secretary Granholm. Um, she was on with Jake Tapper recently talking about the increasing gas prices, sort of that silent inflation. We've seen gas prices go up fairly dramatically since the Biden administration took over. I want to share with you a little bit about her response as to why gas prices are going up and just give you a chance to respond. We need to get the virus under control first. We need to get to that 70 percent. We need to get to herd immunity. You know, why, why has, have gas prices gone up? Could that be because of the virus itself as well? Is it, I mean, everything is tied together. So virus content causing prices to go up or policy? Well, I think you can look back when the Biden administration took office, the gasoline prices weren't anywhere near where they were today. So one thing about uh, President Biden's administration thus far is they've been very good for energy prices and, and certainly maybe commodity prices as well. <laughs> Uh, their tactics and their policies uh, of not producing energy in this country have sent a message to the world. And obviously, we've seen some demand uh, grow substantially. And with decreased uh, activity, we're going to see that. And the access to capital is something that this administration 
is is going to have a big role in, and they seem to be just fine with not allowing access to capital for fossil fuel projects. That is going to impact the world supply of, of oil quickly. Boy, yeah, where can they go to sign up, partake of this over the next couple of days? If they can't be in Bismarck, at least virtually. Chris, certainly everybody's welcome in Bismarck, uh, WBPCND.com. Uh, Beck TV is going to be carrying some of the keynote speeches uh, live statewide in the evenings. I believe Kelsey Warren's talk, uh, possibly Harold Ham's talk, Mike Pompeo's talk, along with uh, Lieutenant Governor and, and state lawmakers tomorrow talking about the, the future of energy in our state. So well over 2,200 people from 37 different states. So, and we've got the great, the great minds of the oil and gas industry across this country coming here. But also those, those service companies and those great ideas out there, the technologies, that's what's going to drive the future of the Bakken in North Dakota. Yeah, Ron, I really want to say thank you for taking the time to put this program together because the timing does seem perfect. I mean, it couldn't be a better time to have this honest and forthright discussion of what we can do to expand energy development here in our nation. So, Ron Ness, President of North Dakota Petroleum Council, uh, thank you, sir. Have an outstanding event, and we'll see you Thursday with Secretary Pompeo, okay? All right, stay with us. we got more tomorrow coming up here on Point of View. We're going to get to your points of view coming up after this. Outstanding discussion there with Mr. Ness. So please share your point of view with us. You can email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back.